it's just a funny happenstance of uh, uh, historical flooding. Uh, but also, the water is just slowly rising in this room, like at, no, at, but up from the floor. So like, I can't do anything about it. It's coming up through the floorboards. I, have to, I just have to wait till the rain is done. So everything's extra focaccia right now. I, can I just say? I mean, not that the water thing is uh, okay. So you know, this is uh, the show is called Dystopia Tonight, and. Uh, the whole concept of it was that um, a guy gets a chance to host his first show, uh, but it's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, that's the only time he gets a break is some some executive still wants to make a little cash before the comet hits. And and he hires some poor schlub. And one of the episodes that I had written was that the studio was flooding. So every time they came back from commercial break, the water level was higher. <laughs> and, like, someone had died. <laughs> so that was, like, so I had all this shit written up. And then literally the pandemic hit and I didn't get to do shit with it. And then I started the podcast cause I was losing my fucking mind. So that was the, but the fact that you're that like, you're like the water level is slowly yep. rising. How has the water mama? It's getting there. <laughs> it's getting there. It's well, getting there. please, I don't want to lose you during the thing. So we'll make it before it starts to get any higher, you know, we'll just wrap it up real quick. <laughs> I don't want you to be on the air. Like, so anyway, uh, you know, when I started out <laughs> two floaties, <laughs> Dystopia tonight. Hello. Welcome to the show, sir. Brendan Hunt, who has a uh, um, a new solo show from February um, 7th to the 10th in New York called The Movement You Need, uh, and also the star and creator of Ted Lasso. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, and what a, what, a, what a bouncy intro. Yeah, thanks for not leaving during it's it. It's a hot room already. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, it was it was one of those things where like everything that was going on in my brain uh, during the time we had some downtime, I was like, I'm going to put it in 30 seconds and then see how everybody feels about it. Yeah, that's that's the artist's way, you know? Yeah. yeah your truth. <laughs> Get it out there. Can I tell you, yeah, can I tell you the, the, the always the part that's a little bit jumpy? So because I've had like a bunch of like uh, uh, like older like celebrity guests on the show and I'm and I always forget to give them a heads up like because they don't you know, they're like I've had like I like I had Ed Asner on before he obviously before he passed. I didn't dig him up, um, but I had uh, I had, <laughs> had Ed on and uh, whatever. And then, you know, the intro plays and I'm always like, oh, they're going to just text their manager and be like, get me the fuck <laughs> out <laughs> of this thing. All right, like, my, my internet's down. I don't know what happened. <laughs> oh, this is horrible timing. <laughs> hey, they do that fake freeze thing. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, we learned how to do that quick. Sir, the internet doesn't work like Napster anymore. I know I know that you're frozen, sir. That's not, <laughs> not a thing. Exactly, yeah. I, I always used to do that dumb shit. Like, I, I started uh, tossing up... Um, like a peace sign during like I never did that before in my life and now I just have a habit of doing it only because I wanted people to look up while I stumbly tried to find the X to close out <laughs> like just just up here while I fucking get out of here classic was, diversionary tactics you should be a magician I <laughs> sometimes I think sometimes I think it's real close uh, <laughs> some some shows don't go so good and you're like I should probably just do magic I think they'd like that more the old smoke bomb 
Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I love um, the premise of uh, your solo show, The Movement You Need. Um, it, you, it's, it's about um, your connection with your mom and you, and you have it through, um, well, I'm going to see it on Thursday, by the way. So, but I, uh, but yeah, it's about the connection you have with your mother um, through Beatles music, right? Yeah. Um, and, um, and the, you know, I, I do that with great trepidation because, you know, breaking that up into two things here, you know, especially people who've been to a lot of like fringy type solo shows, like, oh, a show about your dead mom. Okay. All right. <laughs> And or, oh, a show about how much you love the Beatles? Okay, all right, okay. Oh, oh, you're combining them. Oh, fun. Um, so I, <laughs> for those of you who know how it sounds, I know how it sounds. We're doing it anyway. Um, but yeah, me and my mom had, uh, you know, complicated uh, relationship. Um, you know, there, there was love there and all, but you know, she, well, she hated herself and uh, she was an alcoholic and, uh, and and unwittingly raised me to hate myself too but uh there was one avenue of clarity always and that was uh the beatles going from uh my my very first memory onward uh, you know my very first memory is and i say that you know with an asterisk too because like people are always like my first memory like how do you know were you holding a <laughs> no you weren't were you holding a copy of today's newspaper in your hand no um but I think my first memory is of like it's late and I can't sleep and I go out in the living room. And my mom is, uh, you know, and we were my mom was already divorced from my dad by then, and she, she's watching a cartoon. And I'm like, oh, I like cartoons. And then you know, yeah. part of my mom's, and this speaks to my mom's level of a, uh, of uh, reflexive affection. My mom's first words were like, "Go to bed." And I'm like, I can't sleep. And uh, she's like, "Fine." And I sit down and and she's watching what I now know to be Yellow Submarine. Um, uh, nice. Not the most easygoing uh, and, uh, and and kid level chuckles cartoon, but still right. rather hypnotic. Yeah, and uh, and that's my first memory is, is where it's just me and my mom and the Beatles, and uh, and it was rarely ever just the two of us for the rest of my life, and uh, and it's like on some level, I've mean, always been trying to go back to that. And that's the the connection between music, especially like, so, um, similar, my, my step, my, my dad passed away, um, a year ago and s same kind of thing. We had a very, you know, rocky relationship. My parents were divorced. Um, he was, a you know, not, he was around and then he wasn't around. He's a bit of a con artist. He was an addict. Like wow. he did a bunch of shady shit and it was a lot of like getting over that kind of stuff. But it's interesting. Um, the connection you can have, like we, we both liked, um, you know, I remember watching certain movies and stuff like that with my dad. And like whenever like stuff was kind of shitty, you know, if you needed to break the ice or whatever the hell it was, you'd be like, even if I already knew it, I'd be like, hey, who sings that song? Do you remember when we were at that? You know, and you could always just kind of bridge that gap just for a moment to connect or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I have, uh, you know, like a lot of musicians have come on this show, too, because in the beginning I was like, you know, I liked having comedians and my friends and stuff on and actors and stuff like that. And then I was like, oh, you know, I want to get like my favorite bands on. And I started doing this thing recently. I think you'd, you'd be interested in with Columbia University um, where we got a grant to do a research project on um, connecting people through generations with music. Because I don't know if you've ever seen those videos of like, you know, uh, somebody in their 20s. And they're listening to like Journey for the first time. Yeah, and I, I thought, yeah, and I'm like, oh my god, that's so cool. But I thought it'd be cool to show people on paper, you know, and bring them together in a room, and be like, this person's this age, they believe this, 
this person's this age, they believe that. Do you think you'd have anything in common? You know, and then, but music kind of connects that. Was that like, but was that your first instance? That, how long did it take you to realize like this was the thing that like, you know, no matter what happens and no matter what we go through, we can kind of heal through music? Is that like? Well, I mean, the healing is TBD. Uh, let's not jump the gun. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I do remember, you know, when, after my mom died, uh, after like a year or two, um, one, my, one of my little sisters, I have a sister who was a year and a half younger than me. We had the same dad. And then my mom remarried when I was 11 and two more sisters came along. So they're technically my half sisters, but I think of them as my sisters. And the, mm-hmm. the eldest of the younger two had a Facebook post, you know, marking the, uh, the anniversary of mom's death. And it was something along the lines of, um, my mom loved the Beatles, so I love the Beatles. And mm-hmm. like kind of up to that point, I was like, oh, yeah, she she gave the Beatles to everyone. It wasn't just me. <laughs> was like, right, all, all, right. Everyone in the family loves the Beatles. Oh, and it turns out everyone in the world loves the Beatles. It's not really it's not really a hot take. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, that kind of just like jolted me a little bit and remembering there's just so much of my relationship with my mom that is about the Beatles. And yeah, I mean, uh, let me separate that from the show a little bit. I, uh, in 1998, I was going through a a horrible breakup. Um, it was, uh, I had gotten married really young and then divorced really young. And, um, I knew a guy who was a musician and, and he was like, Hey, if you want to learn some songs, he knew I played guitar a little bit. And you want to play some songs, then um, bring them in to me. We'll, we'll, I'll teach you these songs. Oh, wow. Okay. And the songs I picked were So Cruel by U2, currently playing at the Sphere, I bet. Not, oh, no. <laughs> Go see that. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. And I'm So Lonesome, I Could Cry by, uh, by Hank Williams. The sphere. Yeah. And, um, and when I showed him the songs I wanted to sing <clears throat> or you know, learn, he like, and he's like a grizzled old piano player at this improv theater. He just looks at me and he goes, these songs are healing songs. And I was like, oh, is that a thing? And, um, and to a degree, it was true, you know, like yeah. sitting there in my studio apartment on my futon with the, with the you know, the sand kicking out the, the corner of it <laughs> where a hole had been ripped. Yeah. Um, you know, watching, watching TV on a, on a little, little shelf made from wood planks and cinder blocks and, uh, and playing, I'm so lonesome I could cry to myself. Yeah. That, there's a few things that got me through that year, but that was absolutely one of them. Yeah. It's weird how some of that stuff, um, I'm curious, do you find it like, uh, they're like, t- music is basically, I always think of like a, as a way to go back in time because if I play a record or an album, I say record, I do have records, but you know what I mean? If I play something like that, I can, you know, and listen to the whole album. It does transport me back to an emotion and a time and a feeling. And I didn't realize it until like a year or so ago. Not everybody has that. And I really just thought that was the thing that was like universal. I thought like everybody like listened to his song and to transport them back or you connect to lyrics. But people like don't always think that I, way. I about think it. the people who don't have it don't have it yet. Because I, you know, I've been a, I've been a music lover for a long time. My dad was a musician. He was, he was the best guitar player I ever heard. My mom was not a musician, but she had incredible taste in music and she had a great record collection. And we, and we were, you know, delinquent from school a lot. So I did a lot of playing those records. And, um, so it's not like I'm not a lover of music or anything, but for, for decades, people would say that, that thing was like, like, and then you hear a song and it takes you back. I'm like, fuck you. It does not take you back. It doesn't take me back to shit. 
<laughs> in this moment, it's either good or it's bad, you know? Don't yeah, yeah. Try to pull some fucking, you know, 38 special ballads on me and make me feel like, oh, sophomore year. Like, fuck you. But now I'm realizing, oh, fuck. They were right. They were right all along. They were right the whole time. Yeah. And it's just not the songs I expected. Like, you know, driving with my mom in the in the 70s, like, you know, yeah, she loved the Beatles. And when we were, we were home, when she could choose music with the Beatles. But, of course, in the 70s, you didn't choose the music. You got whatever the Beatles yeah. Um, so song, not that I hear these songs very often, but like, I love a rainy night by Eddie rabbit or hot child in the city by, uh, not Billy idols, whoever yeah. covered it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh my God, that's going to drive me crazy. I'm always bad in the moment on this thing. And I'm always like, what the fuck is it? Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, um, we'll make it, we'll do some AI shit and we'll add it. In post. <laughs> Those <laughs> yeah, songs, yeah. <laughs> back there, you know, and like, I lived in Amsterdam for a while. Um, Right, right after the, the 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 sad period of divorce, which was the help of getting through that too, and like, right. there are certain, it, uh, admittedly, objectively, shitty Europop songs that just give me the best, warmest feeling because I remember yeah. dancing to that at you know what would be one of the great times of my life, and you have to guard against it a little bit, and this is the thirty eight special corollary because like, you know, the 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 man is counting on your nostalgia. You know, the yes. man is counting on you to just remember that song from back in the day. And like some of the songs you hated back then do win you over. Like, mm -hmm. like being from Chicago, you know, I was literally raised to hate disco. And now I see <laughs> that that was wrong. You know, there's plenty of disco right. that's fucking great. Um, right. But you have to draw a limit to it somewhere. With all, with all due respect to these you know, to these artists who, who, who affected so many people. I'm, if I hear Toad the Wet Sprocket, I, I refuse. I refuse you, Nostalgia. I'm sorry. Toad the Wet Sprocket, and I know we said this on, on Ted Lasso, but I refuse it. Gin Blossoms, no, no. They're just, they're good. Congratulations on all your achievements. You're not for me. <laughs> and I will not be worn down. Because like Journey, I used to fucking, like Journey, yeah. oh, stop playing me Journey. But now I'm like, oh, Steve Perry. It's a hell of a goddamn voice, you know. As yeah, it is absolutely as corporate and by the numbers as, as as their music is. It's it's melodic and fucking good. I I, I can see to you, Journey. Can I tell you? Can I tell you something that just makes me laugh so hard? Uh, two good friends with both those bands. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I wish them the best. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, man. That made me. That got me so fucking good. But I I remember that on Ted Lasso too. But it is. It is. You're absolutely right, though. It is one of those things where like. There's songs that, um, and I realize it's like in, in high school and stuff like that. Like there's, there was shit for a very long time that I couldn't listen to because it was centered around a breakup or, or it reminded me mm -hmm. like I, I got, I got, I don't know if this is the great, a great way to go about it or whatever it is, but I did at a certain point in time, get very protective over like certain music. Cause this, and this is, this might just be fucked up now that I'm saying it out loud. I don't know. But like, if I was with somebody, if I was dating somebody, I'd be very careful about what I was playing. Cause I was like, I do not want to make a memory of this i love this song That's and i don't know great. how long you're sticking around <laughs> so i don't want to mesh the two but then i also found that like um you know if i couldn't listen to it right away i would be able to tell if i was healing from something or over something if i could hear that song and disconnect from whatever the trauma or whatever the thing was so i'd be like oh cool i can now make this a new a new memory or just look on it as like yeah, I, I knew that guy, and he was upset at, when he was listening to this. But you're okay now. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be back to the pain. 
I had something yeah. like that once. I'm going to look this up because I don't want to. I don't want to get the title of the, of the song wrong. It's one of those song titles. It sounds like another song title. But I'm going to check the artist first. But I remember um, one time uh, it was like a new. Ah, yes, it was a. It was. Um, it was a new. You know, love interest. Um, and we're making out in her car, and it's like our first time making out, and the radio's on. And the radio plays uh, "Let It Whip" by the Daz Band. Um, that's when like whip it, baby, etc. And like I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm going through the making out. We're not going to stop. But I, in the back of my head, I'm like, I mean, it's it's a, it's it's maybe not the, maybe not what you what you would have put on the chalkboard when you're writing up a play for uh, yeah. for this is our song. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, my my head immediately goes to the. <laughs> to the like you know the organ that's gonna play this as we're coming down the aisle like we had <laughs> uh, but, but yeah it's funny especially when you're a fucking a futurizer and hopefully I'm not as much of a futurizer I used to be like yeah you have mm-hmm. to like guard these moments yeah against you know the, the what your opinionated self at that time decrees to be you know unacceptable choices yeah, I remember. Be, I remember at one point after a couple, like you know, after you've had like several relationships, you're used to what's going on. You're kind of like getting into, like, okay, like we'll take it slow, whatever. And I remember uh, this girl I was with was like, we should, uh, we should make a, a a playlist to to fuck to. And I was like, it better be shit you hate because I, <laughs> I, I you do not like. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> it cannot, it cannot be the good stuff. Um, it is just, it's so, it's so, you get so protective over it. She would not uh, be out of place, by the way, to be like, okay, well then let's not fuck it all, John. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's, and it's stuff that I've definitely had to get over where I'm like, okay, man, roll the fucking dice. You might have, you know, you're going to have some good times and bad times. There's going to be shit that reminds you of stuff you hate. Um, and I, and I love the connection that you said, like your, your, your family also, when you realized you had that connection with your mom, did you guys then bond over that was there was like was there like other connections of like oh okay it's not just me and my mom and the beatles it's me and my mom and and my you know my family and everybody else that shared it too did you guys connect on that level oh that? yeah and we and we still do um um you know my uh my sister you know her niece or excuse me, her daughter my niece is now like five years old and you know i have other nephews but they were born you know while my mom was still alive and everything but this niece was um just born just after my mom died and my sister would send us videos all the time as she would learn Beatles songs. Like once she could sing yellow submarine, you know, and not like perform it, but you know, right. like, right. like, and it just, my heart, my heart melts every time, you know, yeah. I, um, like I, I got into the Beatles enough. And like one the part of the premise of the show is like, me not realizing back then that part of why I wanted, I got into the Beatles so much besides their excellence that typically draws you in. Um, it's me trying to connect with mom. But like, I went to a Beatle fan convention when I was like 11, you know, just Mm -hmm. me and a friend from school, you know, on, on public transportation out to a hotel by the airport. And, um, and like this, this world just blew me away, you know, of all this memorabilia and stuff. It was also a bit frightening because of, Sure. You know what we all know to be the the uh, irrevocable dork factor of uh, of, of Hans, but it's yeah. like it's your dorks, you know. And yes. Technically, you're one of them because you're here, so it's fine. Um, Absolutely. But I 
I saw Help for the first time, and I didn't I didn't know that they had a movie for Help, and like, and you know, just on a projector and a fairly shitty print, but like, wow, Help is amazing. Right. And then later, my mom got me the VHS of that as a Christmas present. And then a thing I'd forgotten about until they reminded me of it years later was I was kind of the head babysitter for my sisters for a long time. And, mm. you know, <laughs> I, now as a parent, I realized like, wait, I was in charge of two kids when I, when I was like 15. What the fuck? What? Um, and then having to put them yeah. both to bed at the same time. But I would sing them. Um, uh, You've got to hide your love away from help. Um, which is Great. you know a, a very lullabyish melody, I guess. Like not mm-hmm. a very uplifting message for kids to hear, but that's fine. Um, but I just would sing that to them, and I'd forgotten about it until uh, years later when that when they when they reminded me. Um, but that's still that we still see that as connection to mom, too. Yeah, you know, it's just branching out um, from her. Um, yeah, to something you were saying earlier. And this gets into something else that's part of the conceit of the, of the show. But like um, last year and about a year and a half ago, while we were finishing Ted Lasso in London, I got to meet Paul McCartney. Um, oh or rather, I was about to be in a room with Paul McCartney and it was likely that I might meet him. Um, right, right. And, you know, the temptation when you meet someone like that is to like take them aside and be like, hey, I just just, so you know, uh, you know, your stuff touched my family's life in this way, in this way, in this way. But here's the thing: it's it, for Paul McCartney. It's been going on for sixty years. There's yeah. you're you're in a line to talk to Paul, <laughs> and you're behind a billion people. Like you do not have a story that's going to make Paul go, "What?" You know, like <laughs> right? Yellow submarine? Okay. You don't say at a funeral. Like there's. there's and so the show then becomes about like all the things that I couldn't say to Paul McCartney. I'm just going to tell the audience tonight. But that's like, so great. Poor Paul McCartney and fucking and it's not it's everyone. It's Toad the Wet Sprocket too. Yes, Jim Blossom. Yep. I'm sure they're people with names, but like they are <laughs> going to have people coming up to them every goddamn day. You know, but like oh my yep. gosh, please, you know, someone, uh, someone played. Um, I can't remember any of the names of their songs. Uh, what's the one? Until I, I hear from, from you. Yeah. Someone played Until I Hear From You, um, you know, as my uh, daughter was uh, simultaneously crossing the stage at her graduation and losing her virginity. And it was just the most beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, heard it, heard it. But they'll suck it up. Right, they'll right, smile. Right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it was crazy. I've got, I've, I've witnessed that when I'm, when I've gone to like, you know, the shows to hang out or whatever, because like, you know, you're talking to a friend and then somebody that you don't know the stranger is right behind you and they're like my birthday party you did and you came out with a 1980 and like and it's such a like surreal thing to witness because like you know the person pretty well this person has no fucking clue that what you just what exactly what you just said is happening and i'm i'm also learning and trying to gauge it because i'm like how do you react to this kind of thing and it's always very like oh thank you know thank you i appreciate it but then when they want to stay and they don't take the thank you, and the, it's really sweet. I'm happy. And they, I'm like, what reaction are you looking for? And I guess it is that kind of thing of like, holy shit, get the fu-. like. You should almost just like do yeah. that, you know? It's the assumption that that, and it's a very yeah. natural assumption, but it's the assumption that feelings are reciprocal right. on either side of an event. And but you don't you, like that. It was just a piece of recorded music that the person yeah. put out, um, and they weren't there for the thing that happened to you, and. Um, 
yeah, eventually you learn, you know, if you, if you meet, if you meet enough of your goddamn heroes, um, like don't even tell them, don't even tell them. It never works. Just say, you know, just talk about the goddamn weather. (laughs) And 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 that's the other thing too, is I feel like that always winds up endearing you. Like, it's just like, as soon as you get to that level of like, you're just treating them like, Hey, what's up? I had that happen when I was younger to it with a couple, um, bigger comedians that I got to open for when I was, when I was starting out. And I, for some reason, just thought they should know that when I was younger and sad, their comedy made me happy. And I, and then I, and I said it and they looked at me like, you're an idiot. <laughs> and especially with comedians, like, com- like, you know, I'm a dude, I'm talking to another dude. They're not there. They're not ready to open up. Like, you know, nobody gives a shit. And I wasn't even like to their credit kudos. You know what I mean? Cause I, you know, I get it. And then, you know, now I yeah. just, you know, you just bond over regular shit or, or whatever it is. Not even that they were mean. It was just like, yeah, no, I don't know why I just said that either. So can we <laughs> yeah. take this photo? And it's, and as you said earlier, it's fine too. If you're prepared to like, you know, fucking operation Dumbo drop that shit, you know, just like, uh, <laughs> here's, uh, here are some emotions that you didn't expect or need. Right. I yeah. didn't get that off my chest. Yeah. Fairly well. <laughs> then, exactly. Well then. And the other thing too, is you're triggering probably like a, a, a fight or flight response too, because how many nut jobs are like, you're the reason why I live. And you're like, uh, all right. <laughs> get, yeah. Is there security or whatever? So yeah, I, I always, I'm super careful of that. Are you, are you good now with um, meeting people that like your heroes, stuff like that? I'm sure you've met a bunch of them, but like, do you get like nervous or are you jaded about it now? I'm uh, I'm better now. You know the Wellbutrin helps, um, <laughs> but like hell yeah, you know I have I I, I just have a long <laughs> a long road behind me, uh, you know littered with the detritus of awkward celebrity meetings, um, <laughs> and uh, and I just try to be. I just try to be more more casual. It helps now. The you know unavoidable reality is like now more often than not they know who I am, so that takes a lot of the pressure yes. off. Um, and if I'm gonna tell them, you know something that I that is you know, for lack of a better word, special or significant about you know me enjoying some of their work, I I I like. First of all, you don't come in hot with it. Nope. <laughs> you know, it's not your opener. It cannot be your opener. Nope. So I'll either, I'll, I'll, so first I'll accept that I may not get a chance to tell them this thing that I have a burning arrow interest in telling them. Right. If yeah. I am going to tell it to them, I'm going to like find the right spot in conversation and then, and then go from there. Like I, a good example, I mean, I should tell fucking embarrassing ones too, but yeah, like please. they still, they still hurt my heart too much. <laughs> um, um, uh, but a good example now is I saw, I met, um, and again, this is all through Ted Lasso. None of this is supposed to happen to me, <laughs> really. <laughs> but um, I ran into uh, Edgar Wright oh. at a uh, at a concert, um, nice. and um, and you know it's kind of against the you know like in the in the you know the green room or whatever, uh, hanging out. It was a run run the jewels concert. Um, uh, congratulations, Killer Mike! Please get out of jail. Yeah, um, yeah, seriously. And um, uh, eventually, eventually, it's just me and Edgar Wright leaning against the wall together. And um, and I was like, "How do I say this? All right, I'm just gonna. All right, this is the moment, uh, Edgar. I'm gonna I'm gonna spare you. Um, I'm gonna spare you a list of of all um, your your great works and successes. But uh, <laughs> if I may, if I may spare a word for one scene in Spaced, uh, like like sure, like when they all take ecstasy and go to the go to the club together." 
that's the best depiction of ecstasy I've ever seen uh, on film. Like, because you hit the social aspect of it. Yeah. Where it's about, you know, particularly that moment, I forget which character it is. And I even cops to that. I you know, like, I, <laughs> you know, they, I, I forget what character it is, but like, but they're gone for a while and then they come back and everyone's like, ah, like that was, <laughs> that was a life for a while. And he's like, oh, well, thank you. And then we had a little chat about that. And then we quickly moved on. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> to something else. Yeah. Um, God, but the bad ones, geez, gosh, just so, so many. Um, <laughs> and the thing is, they're all boring. Like the, the me fucking it up stories are all boring. Sure. So I'll, I'll, this is what I say in the show. I'm about to meet Paul McCartney. I don't want to fuck it up. I've, I've had, you know, I have a track record that is very unsuccessful and I, you know, I, I, and I wish I could take some of them back, you know, like, Oh, dang it. Jennifer Garner. (laughs) And then some, it's like, Oh, John Hamm. Uh, I'll live. Uh, It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) I can I tell you one that happened to me with Dave Grohl. Please. David Blaine. Dave Grohl, Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm doing, I'm, it's, I'm still, uh, I, I lived in LA for a couple of years. I'm doing this comedy club that I think was still somewhat relatively newish for a comedy club. It's in Burbank. It's called Flappers. Um, so I do that or whatever. And Dave Grohl is in the audience. I don't know who he was there to see. I don't know why he was at Flappers. I mean, you know, kudos to Flappers, good club, but still, I was like, why is he here? So I'm, but fucking psyched. Right. So I'm just like, I'm screw this. I'm going to go up to him. I'm going to talk to him. You know, I just did my thing, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he was, couldn't have been nicer, but he's in the audience after everybody chills out. I walk uh, back into the main room and uh, he sees, it's so cool that he already sees that I'm like coming up to whatever he knows I was doing a thing. Turns around, he's like, hey man, like, you know, great set, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh dude, like so nice to meet you, whatever. And for some reason in my brain, thought this would endear him to me. I went, my mom loves your music. (laughs) Not me. Not, not, I've been a fan for fucking ever. I just went, which is true, by the way. She loves that dude. Like, he can do no fucking wrong. It's like, whatever. But I said that, and he just went, your mom, huh? <laughs> like, and I do look like, and I went, uh, I, 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 uh, me, me, me too, and I, whatever. And he goes, do you want a picture? You want to send it to your mom? <laughs> I'm like, I just went, yeah, yeah, if I could do that, it'd be kind of cool. <laughs> he, like, took the photo, but your mom, I was like, could you be any less cool? Like, ugh. yeah, I had a, I had a similar exchange with uh, the great Rachel Dratch. Um, now I'm from Chicago. I used to see Second City yeah. all the time. Um, I missed a lot of the Rachel Dratch era because I was in uh, college. Um, but I saw like her last show and everything. And so she's she's not she's gosh, I, I haven't checked, but she's not that much older than me. Four years, five years. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, or we're the same age, frankly. But I met her once at a bar in L.A. and she's wearing a Ramones shirt. Nice. Um, and, uh, and like, you just, it's a bunch of friends hanging out a little bit and then I'm, I'm on my way out and, uh, and as I'm going, Rachel's by the door and I'm like, oh, Rachel, who like, it's fucking Rachel Dratch. She's the greatest. Yeah. Um, uh, Rachel, really great to meet you. And, um, love the shirt. Uh, my mom loves the Ramones. And there's like, just a frozen moment. It's a frozen moment. And I go, and so do I. <laughs> Oh my god! Amazing! I'm so... it's, but like the, the the fucking you know deconstruction of that with you and Grohl too is like yeah. it feels like an even bigger compliment. Like what care you that I enjoy your work? Exactly. <laughs> when you reach 
my difficult to reach parents. That's exactly that. Thank you. That was my point. I was like bridging gaps. Look at this. Yeah. All, it's all connected. But it doesn't sound like that. Nope. It sounds like <laughs> you're a nut. And she's single. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, fuck. Oh my God. You, you mentioned Second City. And I want to ask you because you went from Second City, you started out in Second City and then you went to Boom Chicago. And like, I know there's like, I don't, I don't know too much about um, like the sketch comedy world, but uh, I do like, is it the same as like, cause I took an acting class, uh, not to brag, uh, but I took, an, I took, Ooh. I took two, I took a Meisner class and then I took another one and it was, it, that was just cheaper probably, but they're like, they were different, you know, like they didn't, they didn't like one like the other. It was it like that going from second city to boom Chicago where they're different. How does that, you know, how does that work? Like, is there different teach techniques or like um, what did you learn between the two? Sure. Um, well, uh, small uh, point of order, but I was never in Second City. I just went to it. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. And I, I, I did their academy. And theoretically, you know, because uh, I was doing shows in Chicago, uh, mostly comedy sports, doing a few of the, uh, like, improv version of open mics at uh, I.O. and, like, was about to start taking classes at I.O. And, I, um, and then I went to Amsterdam and did Boom Chicago instead and like, hey, I may never have been cast anywhere at Second City, not maybe not even in a Turco. Right. Um, but the time in my life when I would have been, I was in Amsterdam instead. Okay, uh, great career move. Well, that was that was twenty years ago, and you're only hearing about me now, so maybe not. But um, it all worked out. Um, but yeah, the thing about the thing about Boom Chicago, vis a vis Second City, is um, you know, Second City is a recognized cultural institution. Mm. People come in and like they, you know, they they've got their shoulders back. You know, they are ready for it. You know, give it to me, Second City. Right. Uh, Boom Chicago is barely an institution on its own block. <laughs> like you have to you have to earn the audience every night, wow. and <clears throat> they are largely people who speak English as a second language. Um, <laughs> And when they're sober, they speak better English than we do, which is irritating. But when they come to the Boom Chicago show, they are drunk fast, and <laughs> you've got to find a way to reach them. And yeah, it it can. I guess what it what it teaches you or reaffirms for you, and I'm sure this is something at Second City just as much. But I feel like it's it's you you need it to survive at Boom Chicago is commitment to every single moment. Right. Like if you're if your focus drops, not even focus, I guess, but like you're, if you're like energy that this is a show, even when you're just having a moment where you're talking to the audience, like explaining a game or whatever. Right. You, that explanation has to be entertaining. Yeah. And the people behind you have to be focused on you uh, as well, because if they're chatting with each other, they break the spell. Like mm -hmm. it's just about collective show integrity, um, not just character integrity or, you know, joke integrity um, right. at every single moment. Um and that's, and that's valuable. In yeah. Way. Absolutely. Do you, do you ever find that like, uh, just through comedy and, and performing and all that other stuff, as you're going out, as you're moving through when you're younger, when you're older, like there's stuff that about like stand up that I know that I probably, that, that also that not only does nobody else kind of have, but like you kind of walk through life in a completely different way. Like the, the whole principle of like the, I love the improv thing of like, uh, act as if, even though I didn't do like a lot of improv, like I just kind of find that fascinating. And I think that's like one of the things that if you're a live performer, you kind of have to do and you start to do it through life. But then you don't realize that like 
uh, I didn't realize, I realized it more. I'll get through a sentence. Don't worry. I, <laughs> I'm here all day, baby. Is it, <laughs> I don't, the water level's just rising and you're like, I gotta, um, no, but what, what I'm trying to say is like, even through like, th- there's certain points, uh, like even through like the pandemic or whatever, where like, because I wasn't doing, um, a lot of touring and a lot of comedy and stuff that like, um, there was certain things around my friends. I started, they started to be like, are you okay? <laughs> like to just normal people that you act a different way to, but you're like, Hey, what are you doing? What's up? How are you? Where are you from? You know, like, or whatever that thing is. But like, I, I find it funny that like, I think that performers kind of walk through life in a different way. Does it ever get you into like any kind of trouble? Does it, does it ever get to take over where like your family's like, dude, like, <laughs> what are you doing? You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's just this moments of like, ridiculous confidence that you have and people and the people around you sometimes are like we can't we can't do that you know what i mean like i'm trying to think of like an example of just like like getting into a like if somebody's like you know uh, well i'm sure for the ted lasso thing helps with restaurants but sometimes i just like have no problem walking up to like strangers or a situation where i'm like hey can we just all get in for free (laughs) you know or whatever you know you have that thing where other people look at you like you're fucking nuts but you're like yeah they can say no and I'm fine with it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. There's yeah. a question in there somewhere and you answer how you feel. <laughs> well, it's, it, it, it's not quite the question of like, how do you deal with being always on? Because yeah. it's not quite being always on. It, it's something, it's, it's something innate. more um, unconscious than that. Yes. Um, yes. And yeah, like I look back at my time in Amsterdam, especially my, my last few years there, were like feeling very confident as a, um, uh, performer and as, you know, as, as a person more so than I ever had before. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely sure that there were times when I, when I went out, you know, with, with, with friends and all, and was like, and we're all kind of taking turns being like the life of the party. Right. And, um, and it's Amsterdam. And so like, you know, everyone's very, uh, tolerant of everyone's nuttiness. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'm, I'm pretty sure I took that same, uh, uh mode to la where um uh not performing as often um uh, and generally <laughs> you know not carrying the like on stage magic with me as much <laughs> i'm just carrying with me the habits yeah of someone who thinks he's living in on stage magic you yes. know oh. um and and it, with that you know it can just take like one person who like is in the back of the room just logging it you know, you can feel later on, like, like, like someone somewhere thinks you're a dick yep. um, because of, because of you, because of the way you were behaving one night when like, were you causing harm? No. no yeah. Were you being presumptuous? Probably, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, because you were just, you were, you were vibing, you were vibing on a memory oh. as opposed to vibing on the room. So it, it's all just about, put. it's all about being present, yeah. you know, um, and um and yeah i mean you can, you can still go to the host of the restaurant and, and and say whatever you want that's about fun yeah exactly <laughs> that's fun. what i'm saying like there's, there's interaction it's so weird to learn over time how to train that because when you're young and that's happening like when i was i started doing stand-up when i was 20 it's all over the place you know i don't know when i'm supposed to be doing it when i'm not supposed to be you know what i mean like you're on you're not on you're being weird somebody hates you you know like even when i was working like part-time jobs before i started just doing it full-time like i just like i'd be like why does that guy hate me and i'm like oh yeah because I'm working, but I think I'm fucking doing this other, you know, I'm doing shit. Yeah. I don't know. So it's just, yeah, it's I always find that kind of fascinating how people kind of, you know, handle that and mold that in themselves. 
I used to walk around Amsterdam uh, for like three or four years. I was there um, with a Olympus point and shoot in my pocket all the time. It was, it was a film camera. Yeah. I um, and I, uh, I would take pictures all the time. And, you know, my mission was partially like I would, I would always get doubles and I would give them to my friends who were in the pictures. And like, you know, there are certain people who were in Amsterdam at a certain time who like thanked me for that. Cause like, you know, most of the pictures of my, on my album are, ones you gave me i'm like oh that feels good that's what i wanted to have happen yeah but you know i go through those pictures sometimes you know if i need them for a show or like you know fucking vultures doing an article on boom chicago or whatever sure and um only now do i look through these pictures and realize like oh a lot of these pictures were taken in a inappropriate place for a flash to be going off all the time <laughs> <laughs> it seems for every 10 pictures there's at least one of someone going like uh, buddy, yeah. <laughs> you know, not usually my friends who are used to it, but like someone who are meeting that night, who are like, I, "It's like, are you fucking serious in here? What, what, what's going on? Would I take those pictures back? No, no I'm yeah. incredibly happy to have that document, but it did show a degree of obliviousness that I could not register then, but that I, I now have irrefutable visual evidence of. Absolutely, and sometimes you need to have that obliviousness to do the job that you need to do. Like you just have to go into that let weird ghost mode where you're like, I. I could be, but I'm just going to keep doing my thing right now. You know what make a great coffee table book is anybody that's witnessed a flash dance or a comedy show that was just like, just screenshots of audience members like, what is this shit? What? <clears throat> I did one. I did one one time and I posted it on my Insta. This is like years ago, but somebody and it was one of the other comedians. It was like a showcase show. It was one of the other comedians. Um, mother or something like that, who, who, by the way, didn't understand the concept of a showcase show and thought this was a contest. And if they didn't laugh at anyone else. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like the headliner. I close out the thing, but I can see, you know, somebody was taking some photos, you know, whatever. And I got some of them back. And the, one of the comedian's mothers was uh, in the audience and she's at the table. I swear to God, like this when I'm on stage. And I just, I just had a picture of me, and then I had her and I just kept zooming in because <laughs> I was like, this makes me so ha like, I hope she had a good, I know she had a good time. She was having fun, but she, when, when anybody else was on stage, she would not, she's like, where's my daughter? <laughs> and so she thought it was a competition and she was trying to like tip the scales oh, without doing a star's heckling. Right. Yeah. Trying to be like a, an energy black hole. Yeah. No heckling, but just amazing, like control over just like stone face. Like, no, I don't care for any of this. And I was like, She's a, she's a, she's my hero. I love that woman. Um, oh God, that was so great. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I wanted to ask you another question about, uh, the movie you need, because I know you've written, um, a few other solo shows and this one is, is personal on a whole different level. When you're writing something like that, are you like, is it a start and stop kind of process? Are you reliving memories that maybe you had not dealt with prior to? So like, how long did it take you to feel comfortable with it, complete it. Cause it's, it's actually comfortability on a couple different levels. You got to sit in a room by yourself, reliving certain things and certain parts of your life. Then you have to go and perform that on stage and relive it in a whole different way. What's that whole process like for you? Like, was it, was it hard and was it long to get through? Um, firstly, the, the best advice I ever got for writing um, a solo show was from the artistic director at Boom Chicago when I first joined, who was a uh, a lovely Australian woman named Josie O'Reilly, whose accent I will now um, do great indignity to by attempting to replicate. Um, 
And she said it like it was, you know, a, a known idiom, you know, at least throughout uh, the Southern Hemisphere, comedy-wise. If you want to write your show, book the hall. And uh, nice. with this show in particular, I found that to be true. Um, I actually tried to put it up at the Hollywood Fringe Festival in 2021. Um, uh, because you know, the last moment of the show is about my son being born. Um, and there's like a weird Beatle connection to that moment too. But, but, um, the, that ended up getting canceled for, uh, COVID stuff. Like uh, that was a time we're like, Oh, co- we're out of COVID. We're doing festivals. Right. No, it turns out we're not out of COVID. We ain't doing shit. <laughs> um, yeah. So I ended up not writing the show, even though I kind of knew what a few of the stories would be. Right. Uh, flash forward to 2023 when now I have the extra thing about meeting Paul McCartney. So it's actually an incredible gift. I didn't write the show back then because this Paul McCartney part is incredibly important to the show, but I did again, go by that philosophy. Like, all right, I'm going to book the hall and I'm going to book the smallest room at the Hollywood Fringe Festival that I'm familiar with. Um, so just ease of like, it's a place I've been before. I'm going to go in, I'm going to do it. It's right. 30 people. I'm going to build it as a work in progress and I'm just going to write it as I go. Um, and I mean, one footnote there is only the night before did I realize the night before the first one that I realized, oh, the Paul McCartney meeting Paul McCartney is not just a moment in the show chronologically. It's it's the frame. Like if I start with, you know, meeting, I'm about to be Paul McCartney. I can't tell him all this shit and then tell the audience all this shit and then come back to what happened when I meet Paul McCartney. Wow. It made the show look more finished than it actually was sooner than it deserved to be. <laughs> Um, and, um, and that was, that was really cool. And, and I guess that's my, that's the thing I've learned from the previous solo shows I've done is like, at least find the structure, you know, at least mm-hmm. find the, the, the tent poles that make it look like a show, um, and, and fill in the spots in between, right. uh, to your point about the personal level of it. Like, yeah, like I've, I've done four solo shows. This is the second one that's like you know, a straightly autobiographical mm-hmm. and, but yeah, but this one's about, you know, my mom dying and my kid being born and like, you know, finding, finding yucks and heavier shit than I, than I previously have. And, um, <clears throat> um, and yeah, sometimes it's like, God damn, here we go again. Oh, I, I, I gotta <laughs> relive this one more time. <laughs> right. Um, cause you can't, you can't half ass it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, luckily it's, it's like, you know, more than like trying to play a character to some degree, like emotions that are like still there, you know, and they're, and they're still in me. I'm not trying to have to like imagine what a character went through. Like, no, no, that was me. That was me. I went through that. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's intense. Like that same fringe festival where I was doing this show as a work in progress. I was, I was, uh, remounting my first solo show, which is called five years in Amsterdam, which is, um, about my five years in Amsterdam. And that one is much more of a, like, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll kind of tale. Right. Um, and, you know, there's costume changes and there's dancing and everything. And so I just had one night where I scheduled the two back to back. Last night of the festival, like, I'm going to do both. Nice. Um, and that'll be a fun double header. I'm like, well, clearly I got to do the new show. That's just me talking first. And then the, uh, you know, the crazy uh, hoot nanny afterwards. Because um, that's, you know, otherwise I'd be too tired. I am so drained from doing this show where I just talk about my mom and the Beatles. Right. That, that was very nearly a disastrous decision. Like wow. it's, it's like fucking a, it takes a lot out of me. And, yeah. um, 
you know, it'll be a little bit less every time. Um, uh, but, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a, it's a bear emotionally. It just, it yeah. just is. Um, but yeah, I just feel compelled to, to do it. Are you good at talking about that kind of stuff in, in your personal, like if you're, if you're going through it, how good are you at reaching out to like friends and family at that point? Or does it take some egging on to, to get you to like, be like, oh man, this is hitting me hard. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's contextual and kind of depends on the, on, on what kind of, what kind of thing it is. I mean, certainly like I talk on the show about a time when, uh, my mom's drinking had gotten bad enough that we, uh, you know, the family tried to have an intervention for her, um, which was, uh, not all that successful. Um, <laughs> but when we did it, it was, it was this whole fucking thing. And it, um, you know, I was living here, I had to fly there and, and like, I, I post, I had a whole long Facebook post about it. This was, <laughs> this was when Facebook was, was your own canvas. Yeah. <laughs> um, as far as you know, you weren't being mined yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Good days. And um, yeah, I mean, I just, it's one of those posts where like five years later you go, is that still up? <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't need to do that. That's probably, that's a bit of an overshare. Yeah. Uh, Probably don't need to share that with the 2,000 people that includes 1,200 people who I happened to meet while Facebook was big and the first time I met them. Are you on Facebook? Like, we're not. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't need to be out there. So, I mean, I I hope, you know, obviously in, in Ted Lasso and stuff, we 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 push the message of, of you know, don't keep shit to yourself. And uh, I, I try to walk the walk of that. Nice. Yeah, at least to some degree. It's that's one of the things, man, I, I uh, and I'm sure everybody, you know, says this and tells you this, too. But I, I loved about that show and it came at such a great time. And I and everybody I've spoken to, all my friends, we all found that at the same time we watched it immediately when it aired. Um, But we were like, is anybody else feeling like this is exactly what we need? Like right now, like this was like my mom and I rebonded over some stuff over it because she she had. um retired um right before the pandemic worst time to retire ever um but she had had a, a rough go at her um leaving her job she worked at um a state park uh in new jersey for 25 years mm -hmm. and we were watching ted lasso and, and doing that kind of stuff and just kind of bonding over it and i just kind of off the cuff said like yeah that's the kind of boss you were you know like you were always like that to your employees oh. but like i just because i was like people don't realize it but it was one of those things that like it's a very, I think it's a, one of the most important shows because uh, there's, there's those, you know, not to disparage any of the other shows, but there's Big Bang Theory, there's those shows and there's joke, 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 joke. And then I hadn't seen a show like Ted Lasso's where there's real story behind it, real emotion behind it. It's super funny. It just combines a lot of human feelings. And, um, and I love that Bill Lawrence was one of the guys, you know, was a part of that too, because I was a huge Scrubs fan for like years. It was one of my, like my go-to show. I used to take it on the road with me. Um, uh, and on DVDs, like, you know, just to be like, ah, I'm sad today, <laughs> like pop in the show, but like your, your show, like affected people in such a huge way. Like, do you, like, how do you do like, you know, you guys are the creators, the writers of it. Like you can't possibly take that lightly. I've seen you talk about that kind of stuff, but like, it's gotta feel good. Right. Like to just be like, holy shit, like we're healing. <laughs> huh. Um, it's, it's just a strange thing you know i mean it's obviously not something you're ever setting out to do you're just trying to you're just trying to you know make a make a comedy that yeah. uh, you feel good about um 
And I, you know, I've said this before, but like, you know, we didn't know anyone was going to watch it. It was going to go out on a, on a streaming platform that didn't exist. Mm. Um, and for it to come back to us in this way that is, you know, more than, you know, uh, uh, you know, I laugh my tits off or anything. Right. Is yeah, I mean, it, it can't not be humbled by it, you know, and particularly when people talk about it with, you know, how it's helped connect them to family members, you know, or, right. you know, from uh, usually adult children to their parents or from for parents to their, you know, often troubled teens, like, yeah. you know, where they yeah. have like, we, we can't watch anything together except this. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I've had, I've had people talk about, you know, and, and like, it's always meaningful, even if it's a stranger, but I've had this happen also with like some people who like, who, who, whose work I respect where they're like, yeah, it's, um, you know, uh, it's, and that's a story about like a parent, um, uh, you know, um, if not necessarily a deathbed, like at least in the hospital for a long time, like going through chemo or whatever. And like, yeah, one of the things that got us through was watching y'all shows. Like, Oh my God. Yeah. Um, it, um, yeah. To say it feels good is not quite, right mm. it, you know but it it feels it feels something uh, yeah i guess i can't think of a better word for it than just you know humbling nice man yeah was it like a natural progression because all the characters and stuff that's another thing too man everybody like it, it's one of the also one of the few shows that like i was not disappointed in the end like you know you, you say for eight years a game of thrones and then and then they're like i can't watch the fucking eight you know what i mean like where something just crushes you're like do you guys know your characters like <laughs> like what is going on but like that was another thing too like how was that writing process did you guys always have in mind like these these great character arcs everybody has a great character art it's kind of it, like ridiculously envious even when i talk to like other writers who are doing stuff like that they're like those guys fucking knew <laughs> what they were doing but really like everybody wraps up like beautifully they you know yeah i mean did it come from personal experiences are you guys all pouring in like you know your your heart and souls into this kind of thing because it just how did the fuck does that happen <laughs> um i mean it, it's sort of been overstated out there the degree to which we knew what we were doing like mm -hmm. we there were certain tentpole things that were like all right well and then you know this this is going to be the end and like it's the it's the luck of the show when we were first you know after we'd done two rounds of the commercials and we were starting to think about like all right could this be could this be something else? Like we just had the, the office of the, uh, the, excuse me, the model of the UK office in our, in our head. Yeah. So like six episodes, six episodes of the movie, that'll be plenty from this incredibly thin idea that we're, uh, we're talking about. So we always saw it, you know, in these sort of three parts. Um, and it just so happens those parts became, you know, 34 episodes instead of, you know, 12 in a movie. Um, um, but, yeah, it would, it would be over, overstating it to say we knew everything. I mean, over the years, you know, people people coming in and showing us what the characters really are by the way they portray them makes you go like, oh shit, okay, well, hold on, you know, and and yeah, you have to you have to not only take in what people are doing, but let it let it change your direction and right. and you know let it become let it become meaningful, not just you know a new like, I don't know, chevron on the shirt, uh, right. so to speak, you know, some kind of, right. some kind of d detail. Um, you know, part of that being from uh, the, improv, the improv background that uh, that we are, you know, particularly uh, me and Jason and uh, Joe Kelly, like, right. an improv show, you know, if something that gets said early on can have huge impact later. 
and you know that that is true regardless of what the structure is you know uh, be it a 30 minute improv show or a you know 20 hour 20 hour sports movie right um, there's a there's a thing you said earlier and once it's been said it can be mined it can be it can grow into something um so i don't know i'm kind of babbling here but it's always just as much about looking back to to what you what you've done already as it is to looking forward because the stuff you did at the beginning can often show up at the end and um it can do so in ways that that surprise you if you if you turn yourself that way yeah man was there anything that you didn't get to do that you wanted to do with the character with um uh, I mean, there has to have been. There has to have been. Um, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but they, yeah, there surely, surely there were things. Um, um, yeah, no, certainly we we liked we absolutely liked where everything ended. Yeah. Um, but uh, there had to be stuff. I mean, I can't complain at, at all. Like you know, the beard after hours episode. Oh, was so such a like last minute um addition in the writer's room you know when when apple and warner brothers were like okay you're picked up also two more episodes now um so i got i got i got far more of a walk uh with my character than than uh, i ever could have asked for so no no complaints here that's great, man. Yeah, that was that that episode was so much fun. That was hilarious. Just getting just getting an inside look. I was like, this is just genius, and looked like fun. I was like, I would lo- like probably one night I'd love to experience that, and probably never again. Uh, <laughs> that would be my I'm not not as wild as Coach Beer, but I was like, I feel like for like a night, if you live through it, what a great story. That'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I just love the implication that that's every night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Close yeah, to. it's just a walk, yeah. and then he shows up to work the next day, which is crazy because now you look at people differently, and you're like, I kind of feel like this guy does that. You know what I mean? I'm like, does this guy have that lifestyle? I don't know. I'm like looking for shit on bruises. Um, I I don't <laughs> don't want to keep you any longer. Um, but your your show runs from. Thank you for staying, by the way, for an hour. Like, I really appreciate you you coming on and spending time with me, dude. I know you're super busy. Um, oh no! You made it free and easy, and you know what, what's my my kid's gonna get more sick? No, he's, he's, he's fine. He's fine. This historical flooding that is slowly rising through the floorboards, and I can't do anything about. You know, you surrender to it. Yeah, you surrender to it. What else am I gonna do? I like your pins. Oh, thank you. Oh, dude, thank you so much. I'll bring. You know, I'm coming on Thursday. I'll bring it if you want to. Uh, if you want to see it, I'll let you. Th- I, I love. This is um a slow progression through the show, but I had some little pins on the jacket. And I started wearing it, and then I just started putting more to the point where I can't go through security. Like this is my like, this is my favorite fucking jacket, oh, they, dude. They fucking hate you at the airport, man. Oh. <laughs> it's like it's this is one of those things that like I try not to wear out. Like I'll wear it out every now and again, and then I realize if one of the like they would fall off until I got those like super cool locks. But um, by the way, I use super cool really loosely there. Uh, <laughs> what is wrong? <laughs> I'm so sorry. That was. Oh, man. I, I got all these old comic books and I, I put them in these super cool Mylar bags. <laughs> They're great. Oh, God. That slipped out. Wow. That was fucking embarrassing. Anyway. These super cool acid free cardboard boxes. Yeah. So you're going to fucking love these. <laughs> 
Holy shit. But yeah, I was like, we're falling off at one point. I was like, somebody's going to step on this or I'm going to step on it. I'm going to feel really bad because, you know, the, the pot part, the pointy part sticks out. But anyway, yeah, I um, there's, I wish there was more of a story, but this is like all my favorite shit. And I was like, I could wear all the things I like, like and the, on the same. You know what I mean? That's great. Nobody has to ask me questions like movies, you know, the dudes on here, Kurt Vonnegut. Um, you know, we got uh, uh, fucking Jurassic Park, Star Good Trek. Park. Yeah. Uh, BLM stuff. I can't even decide on. We got a little um, autism awareness. You know, the whole thing. Everything's good. Iron right. Giant with a nice quote. It's Courage the Cowardly Dog. It's when good. You come on Thursday. I'm going to bring my buddy who works at Sotheby's. And we're just going to, you know, we're just going to rifle around a little bit. We're going to see what you got in there. Let's do it, man. Absolutely. I'll bring you some. That'd be great. <laughs> just start taking them off. <laughs> I walk away with no. What happened to your pins? I, Brendan Hunt and his friend, they just. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna make me a million dollars <laughs> yeah they, they brought me a magnet um yeah um i'm gonna ask you the last three questions that i ask every guest on the show hit me uh first question bit of a softball question but we're just getting started so uh if you go back in time and talk to your younger self um what if it was actually a softball question i should really throw that out there uh what if it was... <laughs> um so yeah if you go back in time and talk to your younger self what piece of advice would you give yourself to help you today uh it's possible that the way you feel about yourself and how negatively you feel about yourself is just because of things people have said to you and that you're not actually the person you think you are wow that is fucking beautiful dude love that um second question is what had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? Um, oof, golly. Uh, I had to leave Amsterdam. Uh, I had to leave Amsterdam <clears throat> because, I mean, it was a time in my life. I grew up into, into like my final form, I think, for the most part. Um, it was it's the best place to live that i that i know of um but i was never going to really learn the language which means you're 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 some foreign guy and uh that puts a big ceiling on what you can do you know uh, career-wise or, or artistically so like i love this place but i i think i think i got more i gotta do so i think i think i gotta go and that was that was that was hard but correct yeah, and those are those are hard things to do. To make those kind of moves, it's it's crazy. People don't realize how scary that is. Like you're abandoning your comfort zone. Yeah. Um, and the last question ties into the theme of the show. So, if this was a genuine dystopia, more so than it is now, and you woke up the next day, found that it was the you know end for everybody, you had 24 hours left. What do you think would be the final straw? Do you think it's going to be something ridiculous, aliens or zombies, or do you think a political collapse? Do think it's going to be a comet and how are you going out? What's going to be your epic death? You're fighting your way out. You know what I mean? Like, what do you, what do you, what's the, how are you getting out of there? What are you going to, um, how are you going to go? Yeah. I think it's just going to be the internet going out. <laughs> um, the internet going out is all it's going to take. Yeah. going to snap that toothpick like that and the whole thing's going to come down. No, like, what's the temperature out? We have no way of knowing. <laughs> um, <laughs> How how do I get to the places I have to go? There's no, they're literally impossible to find out. Um, and uh, so I would just uh, I would gather gather the family around and um, 
and uh, and start playing records. Nice. And start man. playing records, our analog records, and um, and uh, you know just keep keep the keep the poison injectables handy, um, <laughs> so they don't they don't <laughs> they don't have to watch their parents die. Yeah. That's that's Smart. Wait, what song are you going out to? What do you think's the last thing you're gonna flip playing? Oh gosh, if I get to choose, yeah. then um, um, Yellow Submarine, man, Yellow yeah. Submarine. Let, you know, put the kids out in a in a in a, in a jolly mood. <laughs> Dude, you're amazing, man. Thank you, thank you so so much for doing this. Um, February seventh through the tenth, the Soho Playhouse. Um, I will see you on Thursday. Uh, I can't wait to to see you, man. Um, hang on one second. I'm gonna um, uh, end the thing, and then it'll it'll just take a second to. I have to really figure out a way, a better way to tell the guests to they have to chill for a second. But yeah, if you want to, I don't know what's going on. I my own show. I lost control in the last fucking six minutes. <laughs> I can't. I don't know what's going on. Dystopia tonight.